It's Talking Twins and more with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. It's Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and from twinfo.com.au. And from twinfo.com.au, my wonderful co-host, Naomi Dolan. Hello. How are you going this week? Hello, Nikki. Another week, another chat. My favourite time of the week. It is indeed. Now, what's been going on in your household this week? Oh, so tired. Everyone you, you is just... <laughs> I mean, I am, in the nicest I possible way, but you sound I know, a little bit and drained. I was, I was thinking when I knew that we were going to be chatting, I thought, oh, I'm really, really drained and not in the mood to do this today. So I do apologise if I sound a bit flat, but the lack of sleep is just a nightmare. But in one way, me coming in sounding tired sets this up to be um, what we're talking about this week. Yeah, and that's Nikki. really interesting because you're you're at a different stage to me. I'm at five, you're at ten, nearly, nearly ten, ten. Nearly ten. Nearly ten. Oh, my goodness. Uh, literally getting so close now. And y- you start to think, when is this going to get easier? But you face different struggles with sleeping problems, don't you? You do, definitely. And, and I don't want people to freak out and think, oh, my God, her, her twins are 10 and they're still not sleeping through. They certainly are. It's just other things, you know. And then, woof, you have a couple of bad nights in a row and um, it, you're back to square one again. I don't. I think um, I went through such extreme sleep deprivation when the babies were babies that um, a couple of bad nights and it just, puts me straight back there. I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we bring in our guest, um, but do you feel like you ever really recovered from that chronic lack of sleep? No. Yeah. No. Interesting. My kids can I feel sleep that. through regularly, and when I'm talking about sleeping through, I'm not talking about, you know, some people consider it like a six-hour stretch sleeping through. Um, my kids didn't sleep through consistently, both of them, until they went to school. Yeah, see, we haven't reached that point. We haven't reached the point where either of them sleep through the night consistently. So we're still living that. Uh, But I beat myself up sometimes because I'm like, I'm so tired all the time. And I I don't think I've ever recovered from the initial exhaustion. But then I've got the ongoing exhaustion as well. I know. But it's not all doom and gloom, people. It's not. not. The kisses and the cuddles and everything else you get from it is... It definitely makes it worth it. We do do want to talk more about sleep because it's something that a lot of people do talk about. And Jackie is going to join us once again this week. Looking forward to it. We'll do it next on Talking Twins. It's Talking Twins and more with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. It's Talking Twins, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and Naomi. And as we said, joining us back again for another week, Jackie, we'll have to give you a permit placement soon. Uh, Jackie's joining us because we did decide that uh, there was another topic we wanted to delve into, and that was the issue of sleep. I'm going to kick off with you, Naomi, on this one because I think you've got probably a lot of experience in the sense of sleep consultants and various advice that's out there. Yeah, so um, look. My kids are terrible sleepers. Um, I don't know if it was a combination. And when I look back on it, um, I think it was I, – I just would get up and feed them all the time. Um, and, I, I mean, at 18 months old, they were still having three breastfeeds each overnight, which they didn't need. Wow. I think because they were preemie, they were small, um, I – was just told to feed, 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 feed all the time. 
So I just kept feed, 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 feeding until I, you know, we got to 18 months and I had to go into hospital and I was going to be in there for five or six nights and then I was potentially having some treatment, which would mean I couldn't um, breastfeed. So we decided, um, because Dave's parents coincidentally happened to be there at the time when I had to go into hospital, uh, we decided, right, that was it. We were going to wean them and I wasn't even going to be around. Even his mum did it. Um, and they I have to say, they started sleeping so much better after that. Um, but we did. We went to sleep school um, when they were nine months old. Um, it was a hard slog, um, don't get me wrong. Um, one of my biggest tips to anyone who is thinking of going to sleep school, take your own pillow, um, at least because, yeah, the ones they had were terrible. Uh, someone else had given me that advice, so I just wanted to pass it on that it was probably the best advice I got. Um, so, now, do you mean feeding pillows or do you mean sleeping no, pillows? No, like sleeping pillow for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, important. Yes, yes because um, I actually got a bit more sleep there. So, for me, it worked. Um, we were nine months old. They were having three 40-minute cat naps during the day. Um, they just were never rolling over into that next sleep. And when we left sleep school after the five days or whatever it was, um, they were having two one-and-a-half-hour sleeps, which for me was just a lifesaver because, as you know what it's like, you can't – it takes you forever to get them asleep and you've only got 40 minutes and they don't fall asleep at the exact same time. So most times you would be lucky to get 30 minutes to yourself to rush around and, you know, have a shower. Have a shower, exactly. Um, so when we left, we were on two one-and-a-half-hour naps, and that was just, uh, yeah, made my life so much easier. But um, I have since found that lots of people go to sleep school or get sleep consultants at different periods. Um, I was sort of under the impression, oh, you know, one and done. But, of course, as the babies get older and bigger, their needs change and their nap times change and everything like that. Um, you know, a good friend of mine, her babies were sleeping a solid 13 hours, both of them, every night. Not oh, my God. But they gave up all day sleep just under 18 months because they were getting their full quota at night time. Whereas wow. mine were just... So mine slept from 7 to 7 back then when they were little, it's just that they woke up four or five times through that time to be fed. They were awake <laughs> every three hours to be fed. Um, and it was just, it nearly killed me. Honestly, I have never experienced anything like that sleep deprivation. Mm. Um, and that's why I never knew, carrying on from our conversation last week about postnatal depression, I never knew if I had postnatal depression if I was just bloody tired. You know, it's, so hard. Every I just felt like I was moving underwater all the time. I, I think that's I just, one of the hardest things for people to realise is to recognise, I should say, is that difference between depression, lack of sleep and how closely the two can be tied in and one trigger the other. Absolutely. Yes. Because I was literally getting no sleep mm. um, and I was a one-up all-up. Thing. Um, I did try and do demand feeding because I thought, no, I reckon this one can, can make, you know, I think it was my boy. I was like, I, he was a bit bigger. I was like, no, I reckon he can sleep a bit more. Um, 
But then, you know, I was getting 20-minute sleep sessions at a time for me. I did that for about three days and I, I nearly crashed the car and I was like, right, that's it, I'm done. Mm. Um, you know, I can't do that. So I went back to one up, all up. Um, I mean, I got to the point where I nearly had an accident and I thought, right, that is it. I, I, I have to stop and we have to do something about this. Um, I wish I had known now what I knew. Well, sorry, other way around, of course. I wish I knew then what I know now um, because I did not even realise that there were sleep consultants that could come to your house or the, these days now um, you could do it over the phone or via video or something like that um, because that would be obviously a lot more convenient than going away to sleep school for five nights. Mm. Um, and, of course, not everybody, I'm lucky enough, I live in Brisbane, so we have the Ellen Barron, um, the government-funded one, and then I, there's another one at one of the private hospitals. Um, but when I Plenty found of people out, in regional areas that yeah, yeah, don't exactly. have, like, for us, it looks go to Penrith, and that's, like, five hours, six hours yeah. away. Mm. And it's just not, it's just not feasible. I have other children, so it's yeah. like, what are you supposed to do with them when they need to go to school? <laughs> Absolutely. So um, that's actually one of the reasons why I started Twinfo. When I found out that there were these services that I literally didn't know about, and I considered myself well-educated in terms of multiples. I was, you know, a very active committee member for our local community. I was, you know, I had done lots of reading and everything. Um, I still did not know that there were private people that could come to your house or you could speak to over the phone to deal with some of these issues. Um, and when I realised that, I was like, right, okay, we need a list of all of these in one place. And from there, Twinfo, Twinfo grew um, where I could get a, a list of all the, the products and services and things that were out there and try and put them in the one place. So people like myself, who were so sleep-deprived, um, you know, they could just go to one place. Because again, as we're talking with postnatal depression, I felt that their bad sleep was my fault. Mm. I was doing something wrong. I, I was almost embarrassed to tell people I was uh, we were going to go to sleep school. So what did which yeah. is ridiculous? Yeah, what ridiculous. did the sleep consultant actually do? Like, talk us through the process because, like all of you, I I never knew it existed until I met you, Naomi. And yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea. I I reached out. We'll come back to this a little bit later. I reached out for support, some support, but um was led to believe that the issues my son was facing was different. So if you do engage a sleep consultant, what do they do? Talk us through how it works. So I've never actually worked with a private sleep consultant, um, but I can tell you how they work because I've got um, quite a few listed on the Twinfo site and I've had lots of, of in-depth talks with them. Um, basically, it, it, they'll just do a, a general intake um, form, which you do online. So, But they will get through to the point that they, if they don't just look at your child's sleep, they look at all the surrounding things. They'll, you know, if you're doing it online, they'll want photos of their bed area, of, you know, of their sleeping area. They'll want photos of their room and everything. They'll want to know what they're eating and drinking, what time and everything like that. So it's really, um, it's quite an overall overreaching holistic approach. They don't just go in there and look at the sleep because sometimes it is just a matter of, of changing some small things before you even look at um at the, the actual sleep part of it. Um, all of these sleep consultants are definitely um, certified. Um, so 
they're more about the science of sleep as well. Um, they can explain a lot about that, which is really important to know because, again, that changes. The science of sleep changes as um, the baby grows or the child, you know, gets a bit older and things like that. Um, none of them, you know, people think that sleep consultants are all about cried out, oh, just leave them in the room and, you know, okay, now you can go in at seen 10 minutes and things like that. I now, think that's absolutely something that people think and then yes. people go, no, I'm not doing that because I'm not, you know, letting no, my kids cry it out. No, and, you know, look, very, very few people will. I know there are some people that are happy to do that, but most people these days definitely aren't. And 100% none of the sleep consultants that I have listed on Twinso will engage in any of that kind of um, cried out. Behavior. Yeah, yeah, um, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and most of the, like, well, all the sleep consultants on Twinfo were then, um, most of them depending on the different packages and things like that, but you get a couple of weeks of follow up support and, you know, they're available maybe for five days at any time. And then after that, it's, you know, you can email them or, and things like that. There are, there's all different packages. Um, but honestly, some of them start from $99. And if I had known that back then, I would have paid that $99 quite a few times <laughs> you know just when you need that to transition to one nap from yeah. going to two naps to one nap that was a difficult time and then when you're stopping the naps altogether, you know just to have that support from me from an expert who could hold my hand and guide me through that because I can tell you now I never ever want to go through that sleep deprivation that I went through <laughs> ever <laughs> Again. I absolutely feel the same. You can come to my house. I'm still living it, Naomi. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why sometimes when you when I say, do you have another baby, Nikki? Uh, uh, I just think I couldn't go back no. to that. We now, now my guys, my I've got girl boy twins, they're nine and a half. We have one bad night with them or, you know, due to, we, we have possums under the house as well, which are a nightmare. So that's a different story. <laughs> if we wake up a few Can't times... Can't get a sleep consultant for those, Naomi. You no, know, I know the possum <laughs> won't come either. I tried that. Um, <laughs> we are absolutely wrecked. I think our sleep bank, so to speak, was so badly depleted for those... My kids didn't fully sleep through until they went to school, okay? So... And they started school a year later than they should have, can I just say. <laughs> I'm on the same so track. We were just exhausted. And they yeah. sleep through now, mm. but that first five years of them not never sleeping through, we have one or two bad nights and we are toast, the pair of us. Mm. We just can't cope. Mm. Yeah. You know, I don't think that we will ever get that, that sleep bank doesn't, Regenerate for uh, yeah. It was mm. just it was it's, yeah. You never get over it. it it's like this. You don't yeah, this because I have no. the same thing. And even if I just have like a, a a really long emotional day or something like that, and then I I still go through a sleepless night. Yeah, you just you can't cope the next day, and it's just yeah. And it's amazing how you do actually cope, particularly in the, that initial stage with the sleep deprivation. Considering what you're putting your body through, I mean, it's you know being used as war, you know, act of war, um, sleep deprivation. But we just managed to do it. I I remember for me, I I couldn't get relief. I tried to get help um, because in the end, you know, one of my boys was severely 
colic. And by severely colic, you know, most people say, oh, your kids grow out between, you know, three to six months, they grow out of colic or six to 12 months in a really bad case. Well, my son took 19 months to grow out of his colic, um, medically diagnosed. So it wasn't just in my head, which for a lot of people thought it was for a while, but, but I couldn't put it wow. down. Could not put him yeah. down. And I'm talking to the point where I, I remember sitting there in between these two cots and Hunter wasn't too far behind the other one. Um, he was a very unsettled sleeper as well, really hard to get to sleep. And I had done everything. I'd Googled the right things. I'd spoken to Tresillian. I'd talked to them about coming in. And then I was on the phone desperate to them, just in tears going, I can't get these kids to sleep. Or you need to try these techniques. And I tried the walking away for 10 minutes and then coming back and stroking their backs. These kids... Not that I would have ever tried it to that extent, but would outscream me um, at night <laughs> than any kind of – because when they say, you know, let them cry it out, and, you know, it's a phrase we all hear, let them cry it out, it'll teach them to go to sleep. My kids were so unsettled. They would have just kept crying. Like they get to the point where Hunter got so bad with it, um, this was when he was going into his sensory processing, he physically made himself sick. Now when your kid mm, spews – spews everywhere through his cot because he's so distressed at the thought of going to sleep and so uptight about sleep. That's not you. That's not the, 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 you've done something wrong. That's, that's something wrong with the child and the child's not coping with sleep. And that's when we started with him going down the process of sensory processing. That, however, was after we'd already been through the chronic colic with the other one, with Harry. And so, yeah, we and it got to the point where I was on the phone to Tresillian. She's like, to be fair – we can't actually help you. And that was gut-wrenching because I thought these people were going to fix my kid's sleep, but it was medically induced through the colic that Harry was was absolutely suffering with. And it wasn't until his digestive system matured to the point where he was no longer distressed, and that was 19 months for him, that he would finally be able to settle without, you know, two, three-hour marathon every single night. And it gets to the point where you just, Red bedtime. Oh, yeah. I still do. I still get, for we did talk about anxiety last week, I still get full-blown anxiety attacks now because of the sensory processing that I have with Hunter because I'll have times now, and this is a totally different topic in terms of sleep, but, you know, he, he'll he's up to 20 times a night before he'll get into his bed and stay in it. And I still get anxiety over it. I still go, oh, my God, it's bedtime. Bloody hell. <laughs> I have to go through sleep. <laughs> See, this is like, it's so hard, isn't it, to distinguish between, as we were talking last week, is it, is there a problem in terms of our own mental state or is it just come down to the sleep deprivation and the sleep issues? Sleep is so important. Yeah. What is. about you, Jackie? How did you go? Did you have any sleeping dramas, so to speak? <laughs> I find it so funny because I think that there's these very few people who wouldn't have some type of problems with sleep. <laughs> so we had our fair share um, and, I mean, I contacted Tresillian. Um, my case wasn't as extreme as Nick's, but um, we definitely had our struggles. For us, when I contacted them, it was more of you know, these are medical issues and we can't deal with that. Um, not to mention that, you know, six-hour drive to there and then what I'm supposed to do with Xavier, needing to go to school, my older child, in the meantime. So we didn't do sleep school. Um, we definitely thought about it. 
um, but it didn't sound like it was going to be beneficial. Um, I think, I mean, I didn't know about sleep consultants then either, um, and I think it's really great to be talking about it and making people aware that they are available and that, you know, they can connect with regional people, um, whether that be, I'm not sure what they use, Skype, Zoom, video calls of whatever kind, um, just, I guess, makes it that much better for people in the regional areas to know that, hey, you know what, maybe that's a better option um, so that they can they can definitely seek that, that help and support. The sleep deprivation is horrible and, I mean, it, I guess it's really reflective of, you know, the individual children and what their needs um, and their journey is. But it's, I, I'll never get over the sleep deprivation. And I'm glad that we're, we're virtually past it. Um, William still struggles. He doesn't really sleep through the night. But, again, it's more of a medical issue. Um, so, I mean, that's still hard. And, and when you don't really get sleep, it's, it's, I don't know, it's like it throws me worse now. And I think <laughs> that's anyway. a really good point that you raised, Jackie, because of the experience that I had. A lot of people struggle with sleep, a lot of babies struggle with sleep, and I don't want people out there to also dismiss the medically-based problems because um, – that that can be a factor and if there's one thing I can do, it's my kids were really bad with colic right from the word go and I kept their paediatrician, I've actually kept their paediatrician engaged their, their whole lives because of various reasons, particularly with Hunter. But initially a lot of it was to do with that surrounding colic and I'm really grateful. Like I even took the boys to emergency once because they were that um, – beside themselves that I was convinced I didn't know whether I was missing some kind of bowel problem or stomach problem and we were about to go overseas back in the day when you could um, and you know I didn't want to take these sick kids overseas if that was the problem and and we, you know we had to go through those medical investigations to get to that classification or diagnosis as chronic colic um, and that's also important for people to be aware of because people do live with an illusion that you know they might grow out of this in a certain period of months of time. And if they don't, that can really impact on their sleep and really impact on their ability to settle. And there are going to be other medical, other medical things that can also impact on their sleep. So while it's, it's great to have all the, you know, you've got to explore every avenue, I guess I'm saying. Don't just assume that it's, it's you doing something wrong in the structure of their, um, their day or their routine because it may also be medically induced that they can't sleep or settle. And again, that's a very important point because I was almost too embarrassed to reach out. Mm. So if it had been a medical issue from our side, that could have been really dangerous. Yeah. I was, yeah. You might not have known that something was impacting no. on their ability. Uh, and, because and again, I would have been thinking it was my own fault or, you know, mm. Yeah, well, I, I remember myself thinking, you know, it's me, I'm doing something wrong, particularly, you know, taking the boys. I wasn't able to feed them well. Um, you know, transitioning them across, trying different formulas, nurses telling me it's allergies, doing allergy testing and all sorts of stuff and, and just not cracking the code. We did everything. And I, I felt mm-hmm. so guilty. I was doing something wrong as a mum. And then again, you know, going back to that multifactorial thing that we talk about, you know, I felt the guilt and then I was sleep deprived with these hysterical kids. So then I felt even worse about myself. And it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a horrible pattern. It's such a, yeah, it's such a cycle that, you know, people can go through and it's important, like that, that mum guilt, like, oh my God, I think each and every mum has felt it at some point, probably multiple times in a day when you have multiples. 
Um, and, you know, we've got to stop blaming ourselves and, and just step outside of ourselves sometimes for a sec um, to try to look at it from, from an insider's point of view, like say like a medical professional's point of view to be like, well, hang on a minute, let's investigate properly and let's outsource and see who we can get, what support systems we can get in place to identify what the problem is here. Mm. And I think you may reach, well, I know I reached a point where any sleep was better than no sleep. So even if it was Harry sleeping on top of me because he physically couldn't lie down because of all of his colic or whatever and we'd catnap in the chair, it was it was 30 minutes of sleep I might not have had. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Although I'm pretty I sure I felt worse that- after it, but anyway... <laughs> One thing that's really important um, is you also need to know when you need to walk away. There's a really thing that is, it's called shaken baby syndrome. And a lot of the time it's when babies are crying and crying and won't sleep that someone, a parent generally, just loses it and will shake them and cause irreversible brain damage. Mm. I'm going to put my hand up here to say, I had my babies sharing a cot um, safely and following all the SIDS guidelines and the cot had wheels on it and we had quite a nice polished floor and it was in our bedroom and I just put socks <laughs> over the legs of each of my cots. Oh, so that's I didn't clever. Scratch, I didn't want to scratch the floors <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 um, because I used to just rock the cot gently yep. to help them. Yeah. But they were just crying and crying. I was so tired. And I would just go to sleep, go to sleep. And I was saying it out loud and I was rocking the cot and I suddenly realised that I was not just rocking the cot mm. gently, mm. I was shaking that cot. Mm. And thankfully I realised and yeah. I, just, I, I just left. Mm. And I had to leave them there crying. Um, mm. But this wasn't cried out to go to sleep. This was no, cried out health. because yep. I Mum needed to lose her mind. And I, sh- I knew they were totally safe. I knew they were mm. totally safe. I shut my bedroom door. I went to the back door. I shut that and I went and sat under the back. We have a mango tree in the back garden and I cried yep. and cried, yep. got that out. I came back in and the babies were asleep, can I just say. But anyway. <laughs> I, oh, I then, shut the front door. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I know. I then stood in front of the cot. And cried again because I was like, "Look at these two beautiful <laughs> angels! How could I have <laughs> no, done that?" It's always a way. I, I know. I, I've done yes. that. I've I've done that. I right. always used to have in that back of my mind: put them in a safe place, make sure they're okay, step I've outside, just for a big deep breath. They're going to be okay as long as you're okay. You hundred percent know that moment when you need to walk away, and I tell you what, it shocked me. I was. So embarrassed that it had happened to me again. I didn't. I didn't say anything to anyone to start with until someone else mentioned. I was like, "Oh yeah, I did that," you know. Mm. And then, yeah. And I think it's important to acknowledge that there's other. Many of us have been to that point. Sleep deprivation is awful. There is mm. just nothing that compares to it. It, it is a form of torture, um, literally. Yeah. I mean, we we used to put, we used to take it in turns to either put the boys in a pram and walk them around. And I'm talking sometimes 11, 12 o'clock at night. Put them in a pram and walk them down the street to desperately hope that the change into the pram would help them settle. 
Um, Can I just or drive, add, drive never, and drive and drive. We drove yeah. kilometers at night, kilometers at night to try and get them to sleep because we just, and again, colicky babies better upright in the car seats than they were trying to lie down, blah, 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 blah. But I, I remember just endless hours where I'd just drive around the streets of home, you know, until they fell asleep and it was easier for me to transfer them over than it was to try and settle them for the for the crying that I had to deal with and the, the piercing in my mind. I prefer to put him in the car and just drive. We um, we used to do this thing with the pram. <laughs> it probably sounds weird, but literally, I'd put them in the pram and I would just wheel back and forth up and down the hallway like a quite a long yeah. house, and I would just do that until they went to sleep. The amount of time that I did that to get them to sleep, particularly with Leo being reflux. Like, I couldn't even tell you how many times I did it. There were mm. so many. Mm. But do you know what? Sometimes whatever works. Mm. And yes, that worked do. for us. Mm. You actually just reminded me, it was colic and silent reflux we had. And silent reflux is a really tough one as well. Um, it's a topic for a whole other yeah. podcast. But, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It impacts on their sleep. Uh, but, look, Naomi, just to wrap it up, um, you have that experience. How, if people want to get in touch with these sleep consultants, sleep schools, all those sorts of things, you know, you've got the information on Twinfo. Tell us a bit more. Absolutely. Just head to the Twinfo website, www.twinfo.com.au. Head to the services tab and click on that, and then you'll see a whole list of things on there. We've got everything from lawyers that'll help you make a will down to sleep consultants actually know what it's like to get two or three or even four babies to sleep at the same time in the same room. Um, so there is help out there. It's not nearly as expensive as you may think. Um, obviously, due to COVID and all of that, a lot of it now is done online anyway. So you don't even need to leave the house. So for those people that do have other children um, or, you know, for some reason can't get out to go to one of the sleep schools or anything like that. There is plenty more um, help out there. Um, and please, it is not it is not a bad thing to ask for help. Um, you know, the help is out there. Don't feel embarrassed to ask for it um, because if you can do anything to alleviate just one iota of the sleep dep- deprivation that all three of us have been through, then, um, <laughs> you know, this podcast has done its, done its job. Yeah, exactly. 100%. <laughs> Naomi, thank you so much. Jackie, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you join us once again. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. And just quickly, if people want to follow you, let's put all your details out there. Yeah, so you guys can follow me on Instagram. It's um, at Jackie Lee Jones, just my name. And you can follow along everything on there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au.